Just a little background on me. I'm, uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, and I went to St. Michael High School. I spent one semester actually at Millsaps College playing, oh, you got a Millsaps person in the house, playing football there. Uh, and then after that, I transferred to LSU for, for one whole semester. I had a blast. I spent uh, every day at Christ the King. This was actually before Focus was on campus. And um, really loved it. And I like to believe that we laid some of the groundwork for, for some of the amazing things that are happen, happening here now. Uh, after that, I spent one year living and working in Minnesota uh, with an organization called Net Ministries. So I uh, worked in a parish. Following that year, I uh, entered the seminary and was studying to be a priest for three years for our diocese, the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Because I realized I would never be as cool as Father Josh, I left and said, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I left the seminary uh, on my own, you know, my own free will, and uh, shortly thereafter met my now wife, my wife Elise. Raise your hand, Elise, not to embarrass you. No, she doesn't have to raise her hand. But <laughs> um, Coming up February 5th, we'll be married for a year. And since I left the seminary, I've been living and working I mean, I've been working at Vivid Ink Graphics. It's a printing company in town. A number of Christ the King students actually work there. I see my boy DeWarange pretty much every day. Uh, <laughs> I told him I'll give him a shout out, so there you go, DeWarange. <laughs> Anyways, really grateful to be here with y'all tonight. So, a number of years ago, some say billions, some say millions. There's debate, and I'll let you science majors in here. Uh, debate it another time. God created the universe out of nothing. And after a number of years, again, there's debate. Some say millions, some say billions. I'll let you debate it. Uh, God created his most special of creations. He created us. He created human beings. And he created us with two unique gifts that he didn't give to anybody else, or anything else, rather. He gave us the gift of the intellect, by which we could ask questions, like why? Why does this work like this? We could look up at the stars at night and, and say things like, wow. And then he also gave us the gift of the will, by which we could choose to um, act on what we know is true or not. We could choose to disobey our baser instincts for pleasure or, or for the sake of you know, sacrificing for someone that we love, right? Two amazing gifts. And he had two goals in mind when he created humans. Two simple goals. To love God, to, to live in a relationship of love with God, and to be loved by God. That's the first goal. There's this amazing song by one of my favorite bands called Need to Breathe. That's the name of the band. Um, it's a, not a well-known song by them, but I highly recommend that you go listen to it after this. It's called Difference Maker. Um, and much to my wife's chagrin, um, I would like to sing three verses for you. One of the ongoing debates in our household is whether or not I can sing. I, I literally walk around the house. I'm like, I want to be Father Josh. I sing all the time and on a daily basis. And on a weekly basis, Elise will make some sort of comment like, you know, we can just, do you want to put that on Spotify and we can like turn the volume up a little bit? In other words, she's saying like, can we let them sing it, you know, and, and not you? Anyways, there's three amazing verses. I still think I can sing. Um, but don't, don't clap or, or throw tomatoes. But, but you know, it, the songs are meant to be sung. Poems are meant to be recited, right? So, so these three verses says, or they sing, and it's man referring 
to himself. He says, Oh, I am a difference maker. Oh, I am the only one who speaks to him. And I am the friendliest of friends of God. Amazing words. I am a difference maker. I am the only one who speaks to him. So, you know, birds, they chirp, and they have beautiful chirping sounds. <laughs> but they're not willfully choosing to speak to God, right? Um, and only humans can truly be friends of God, that we can have a relationship where we speak to him, and he speaks to us, and we know him in an intimate way. So, first goal with humans is that we love God and are loved by him. Second goal for humans was that we would love others and live in a relationship of love and truth and peace with others. Very simple goals. Sounds glorious, right? Intellect, will, love God, love others, simple. Simple, but not necessarily easy. And from the very beginning, humans fall short. Humans, starting with Adam and Eve, all the way down throughout history, with the exception of Mary and Jesus, fall short. We don't live the way that we're supposed to live. But God, who who wants us, it's important to keep in mind, right? God doesn't need us. And so we're taught as kids the difference between needs and wants, right? So if God doesn't need us, then it follows that, that he must have wanted us. And so if he wants us, he, he starts to reach out through men and women, prophets, throughout history, calling us back to how we were supposed to live from the beginning. And he even goes so far as to call a man named Moses up on a mountain, he says, all right, they're not quite figuring this out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some, some rules on stone tablets so that they can live the way I intended on them to live. So, you know, writes them out. Don't have any other gods besides me. Don't take my name in vain. Spend at least one day a week worshiping me so you don't forget about me, right? Honor your father and your mother. Don't, st- don't kill, don't steal, don't lie. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. Don't cover your neighbor's goods. All good things, right? So Moses comes down off the mountain, holds the stone tablets up to the people, they see how they're supposed to live right, but they just still can't measure up. So throughout history, throughout the centuries, man continues to, to sin. So finally, God says, all right, I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to go down there myself, and I'm going to show them how to live by the way that I act. I'm going to teach them how to live by the way that I, I preach to them. And ultimately, I'm going to take on the ultimate enemy of man, death. You know, man, like I said, is an amazing creature. We're amazing. We've come up with amazing inventions. But no matter how hard we try, we cannot and will not ever be able to overcome death. So he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to show them how to live, teach them how to live. And I'm going to die for their sins. We lose sight of this sometimes. But just imagine if you did something egregious, like you, you murdered someone, okay? And you were being punished to death. That was your punishment. And then some innocent person, just think of like the nicest person you know, right? Who's like never cursed in their life. You know, they're just so kind, so meek, so gentle. Not that this, not, I mean, Jesus was a, was a strong man too, right? But just imagine this, this innocent person comes up to you and says, I don't want you to die. I'll take your place. I mean, how indebted would you feel to this person, right? In effect, that's what the innocent one, Jesus, did for us, right? Dies, defeats death, rises from the dead, ascends to the Father 40 days later, and then takes up his throne 
in heaven. So even now as we speak, Jesus Christ is resurrected with a resurrected body, seated at the right hand of the Father. He has a pulsing, beating, sacred heart, and he's interceding for us as we speak. An amazing thought. Jesus didn't want to stop there, right? Just as he encountered people and preached and saved man, he wanted to continue to um, encounter people and do the amazing things that he did while he was on earth. And so he poured out his spirit into the hearts of, of his first followers 10 days after the ascension, right? And then they start to go out and they start to um, share the message that Jesus had, had shared with them. They start to heal as he healed. They start to baptize people as he commanded them to, in effect, saving them from their sins through the waters of baptism. And slowly but surely, the gospel starts to grow. The number of Christians starts to increase. And the gospel reaches Asia. And the gospel reaches Europe. And time passes. And the gospel continues to spread. And then you you get to the 1500s, right? And the gospel finally reaches the Americas. The gospel continues to grow. More and more baptized. More and more encountering Christ. This wonderful presence throughout history. through, Through the witness of others. So finally, the gospel reached my ears back in 2011 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The gospel had spread so far through so many people that it had reached me through a man named Adam. I know some of you may know Adam Trufant. He was here for a time. I was a sophomore in high school back in 2011, and um, I was always a deep thinker. I was always had a somewhat of a compassionate heart for for the outcast right but I was still a little bit um, a little bit of a punk <laughs> I, I cursed a lot I, I mistreated girls <clears throat> I, I definitely was steeped in a variety of sins and I wasn't happy I sort of had a darkness in my heart an unfulfillment and I had just gotten particularly in January or December of 2011, my sophomore year, I had just gotten caught for throwing a party with my friends, got grounded for months on end, and uh, fortunately, I was signed up to go on the March for Life to Washington, D.C. Remember my parents, you know, I told them, I know I'm grounded for a long time, but I should probably go on this trip, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, you definitely, you definitely need to go on this trip, son. So I went, and I went with an open heart and an open mind, because, um, I sort of had experienced what the world had to offer, and it, it wasn't satisfying me. And I went, and providentially, Adam happened to be my bus leader. And I saw a peace and a joy and a fulfillment and a love that I longed for. And that peace and joy and love and fulfillment that he had came from his encounter with Christ, the person of Christ. And I have to tell you, I mean, I left that trip. I had some amazing encounters on that trip with, with the Lord through the Eucharist and through others. I left that trip knowing that I would never be the same again. My parents even remarked when I got home, they, they said, who are you? <laughs> and what have you done with my son? You know. And, um, you know, since that time, the past 11 years, I have undergone an immense transformation. I mean, St. Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold. The new has come. And that's my story. For the past 11 years, I've, I've been transformed, and don't get me wrong, I've still got 
my wife. I got a lot to work on still, okay? But I have overcome a number of sins that I used to struggle with by the grace and mercy of Christ. I have, um, I don't curse anymore for the most part. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I, 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 I see the world differently. I see the poor differently. Um, and there have been three main factors, three main catalysts. There's been maybe a few other, but three of the main catalysts in my transformation for the past 11 years have been the prayers of others, have been the sacrament of reconciliation, and has been encounters with the Holy Eucharist. You see, when Christ ascended to the Father and um, took up his seat at the, the right hand of God, he wanted, like I said, to continue to encounter his, his people to continue to look at them in the eyes as he did uh, 2,000 years ago. He wanted us to continue to hear his voice. And so he left us some gifts. You know, he, like I said, he ascended to the Father, and he poured his Holy Spirit into the hearts of, of men and women so that he wouldn't be confined to just first century Palestine, so that he could be in the hearts of his followers and, and reach all parts of the world, right? I remember... Um, my, after my freshman year of college, I worked at a camp in North Carolina, which I know I'm sure some, some of you are familiar with, Camp Chalsatonga. And my first year of college, I, was, I had gone to Mass every day. I was praying 20 to 30 minutes a day. I was reading spiritual books. I was praying the rosary. I was volunteering with the missionaries of charity. Like, I was doing all the stuff, I thought. One night, we had a night like this at camp, a night of adoration and prayer, and I had the opportunity to go uh, pray with, he's here, one of them's here tonight, Kevin is his name, and, and then Austin, uh, who's not here. And I, I had no, no clue what I was walking into, but I went and I, I closed my eyes and just asked for general prayers. And they started to pray over me, and I remember after a few minutes, one of them kind of said, man, I'm just, I'm just sensing a lot of surface-level Jesus. And I had my eyes closed, and I kind of just like opened my eye like, are you talking about, are you sure you have the right guy? I was like, I've been going to Mass every day and like praying every day and praying the rosary. Like, I, surface level, Jesus, I was somewhat offended, but I was like, whatever, I'm trusting, trusting God here. So I closed my eyes again. And then the other one pipes up a few minutes later. Yeah, I just feel like, just feel like you're only like ankle deep. I was like, what? Ankle deep? I was like, give me at least waist deep. Like, come on. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been doing all these things. But if I'm being honest with you, in my heart of hearts, I, yes, I've been doing all of those things. I had sort of a proximity to, to Christ but by the way I was living my life. But I, but I had a lot of room to grow. And I firmly believe that those prayers catapulted my, my growth for the next year. It was that following year that I went and served with Net Ministries, and I had some really awesome encounters with the Lord in, in the Scriptures. And I felt like I grew in my knowledge of Him immensely. And I, and I firmly believe that it was the prayers of, of uh, Austin and Kevin that helped catalyze that, among other things, right? But that's the power of the Holy Spirit when it resides in a true follower of Christ who's open. I mean, it's no longer uh, the follower, almost. It's Christ who is saying, Alex, I know you've been doing all these things, but I have so much more for you, right? So not only does he want to encounter us, continue to encounter us through uh, his presence and his followers, he, he wanted to continue to offer the same forgiveness that he offered to those people on earth while he was there, right? He said, 
I mean, so often you heard him say, my child, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. I mean, you read about that multiple times throughout Scripture. And he wanted to continue to speak those words to, to us, even, even now. And so he empowered, he gave the power to a select group of men, his priests, to speak in his name over our sins once we've confessed them. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. I remember the following year I was working with Net Ministries and, again, doing well, you know, ministering to the people. And it came to my attention that year that there was a sin that I had committed years earlier, but before my March for Life encounter, maybe when I was in middle school. And I had been to many confessions since then. I even did a general confession where you kind of confess all your sins throughout your history. And... But it came to my attention that there was this one sin that I had, never, I had never confessed. I was too ashamed of this one thing. I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to say it to anybody. And the Lord kind of was invited me, brought it to my attention, to my mind. I said, I want you to confess this, Alex. And so I had a time of prayer before I entered into uh, the, the confessional. And I remember just imagining myself kneeling or sitting before the cross of Jesus, and Jesus was, was bloodied right on the cross. And I remember just kind of holding my, my sin, this is my imagination, right? Holding my sin, this, this one sin, up before him, just saying, this is, this is what I did, Lord, this is me. And I just remember imagining the blood of Jesus sort of dripping off of him into my hands and really over my entire body and a wave of peace coming over me. And although in that moment he didn't forgive my sins, I still needed to go confess it. I was empowered. I was um, encouraged by Christ to go and to, to lay my soul bare before the Lord. And I finally heard those words. I, heard, I saw the gaze of Christ through Father John Dries, God bless him, up in Minnesota. I saw the gaze of Christ saying, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. So not only does Christ want to encounter us through um, his, his Christian, his followers, by sending his Holy Spirit into their hearts. Not only does he continue to encounter us by offering the sacrament of reconciliation through his priests, you know, Jesus, he want, he, even though he ascended to the Father, he wanted to stay with us. He wanted to, to stay near us. And so he left us his most precious of gifts, he left us the gift of the Holy Eucharist. You see, um, although it may look like bread and, and taste like bread, we believe that through the power of, of the words of the priest that that bread is transformed into the body of Christ. You see, Jesus wanted, he, like I've said before, he, he looked into people's eyes and people encountered his gaze and some of them even left everything because of it, Right? I, uh, I remember when I was in the seminary, my second summer, you get summer assignments, my second summer I was assigned to live in Mexico City for seven weeks. We were sent there to study Spanish um, because there's a Hispanic population in, in the United States. And while we were, stu- I mean, we were studying for uh, you know, weeks or during the week, on the weekends we would have opportunities to 
uh, go visit different parts of the city. So we got to go to some awesome places. But obviously, while we were there, we had to go and see um, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And for those of you who don't know, just a quick story. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mary, uh, appeared to Juan Diego, a very poor indigenous man back in the 1500s, basically requested that a, a church be built in her name. And um, basically Mary, in order to prove to the bishop of that area that it was really Mary, she uh, basically made an image of herself appear on a tillman. I'm sure all of you have seen the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And it's a, live, it's a beautiful part about it is that it's a living image. There's all kinds of cool science behind it, and I'll let you do the research later. <laughs> but we went that day, all the seminarians, were in, we got kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the tilma. And uh, the priest, one of the priests who kind of works there full-time, he said, you know, a number of years ago, a couple of years ago, really, uh, Pope Francis came and visited, and he, he told the people, he gave the people some advice. He said to us, uh, make sure that, you know, everyone comes to the Basilica to look at Mary, to see Mary. And he said, make sure while you're here, this is Pope Francis speaking, make sure while you're here you, you let Mary see you, that you let yourself be looked at by Mary. And so the priest invited us, he said, while you're here, make sure you do the same. Allow yourself some time to be seen by Mary, to be looked at by Mary. And so I went and walked around, and um, there's a lot. She, she appeared multiple times to Juan Diego, so there's some cool sights there. I recommend, you know, buying a ticket to Mexico City if you ever can. Um, and then finally, I went and spent about two hours just sitting in the basilica, kind of towards the back, and just let Mary look at me. She said, "This is this is me, Mary. I'm. This is who I am." Pray for me, right? And as I was sitting there, I, uh, a priest, not the same priest, but another priest kind of just walked up out of the blue and basically just said, Alex, or what's you know, he didn't know my name. Uh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> um, he said, uh, can, I, can I bless you? Can I give you a priestly blessing? And I, he said, of course, you know, and he blessed me, and it was a peaceful moment, right? And But then I realized right after, it's often said, Mary leads you to Jesus. And I realized that as I was saying, you know, Mary, I love you. Look, Please look at me. <laughs> this is me. That she brought her son to me. And it was a, you know, a beautiful moment to receive the blessing of Jesus through that priest. And so tonight, my friends, the invitation that Pope Francis gave to the people of, of Mexico City is my invitation to you. You know, a lot of you uh, maybe came tonight to, to adore Jesus and to look at Jesus, and we should. I mean, the, very soon, the creator of everything, like I said at the beginning, the creator of the universe is going to be right here. And if that doesn't make all of us at least fall on our knees for a little while, <laughs> we might need to check ourselves, right? Amazing. But my invitation to you is not just to look at Jesus tonight and to adore Jesus, but to allow him to look at you, to realize that just as badly as you may want to adore Jesus and love Jesus, that even more so, he is 
earnestly desiring to look at you. And although you, you won't see eyes on the bread, um, in a mystical way, Jesus is looking at you tonight and wants to look at you tonight. And I don't mean just kind of, you know, you in your bodily form. I mean, yes, but, but really to, to look at you, the real you. And what I mean by that is I invite you tonight to bring to Jesus what's going on in your life. If there's some nagging sin, I invite you to go tonight to that priest and to lay it bare before him. I mean, ever since that encounter and confession, I was kind of like, all right, if I can confess that, I can confess anything, you know? And, and so now I could just go without, without fear for the most part and just sort of say, this is me, Lord. I trust that you, you, know, you said 2,000 years ago, I came, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but the sick do. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Like you, Jesus came for, for this. It's for this I came, right? I invite you to let yourself be looked at tonight, whether it's your, some insecurities that you're dealing with, some questions about your future, some, um, I don't know, some tough situation that you're going through. Bring those to prayer teams tonight. You're going to have the opportunity to pray with two followers of Christ. You're going to have the opportunity to encounter Christ through two people who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said 2,000 years ago where two or three are gathered in my name. Well, guess what? There's going to be two prayer team people and one person being prayed with. That's two or three, you know, following the rules. Right? Where two or three are gathered, there I am. In a powerful way, the creator of the universe who, who calmed the sea, who said, be still, and the waves, the, the, the storm stopped. That, that same Jesus will be present through those two Christian prayer teams, the people that will be praying for you. So bring, let the Lord look at you through prayer teams tonight. If there's a sin, some nagging sin that you've been confessing for months or years, anybody can relate to that, right? Or if there's something you've never confessed, something that you recently did that you've are scared to confess, something that you did years ago that you're scared to confess, I invite you tonight to bring it before the Lord and let him touch it. Let him look at you with love. And finally, I invite you tonight to encounter our Lord in the Eucharist, to, to let him gaze at you with love, to let him speak truth into whatever situation is going on in your life, to let him just be with you, just as Mary uh, sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus told her it was the better part. Tonight you have an opportunity to encounter the creator of everything, who also so happens to want you. So I want to close by praying uh, just a blessing over you. It's a, as I was reflecting on uh, this talk, the, the blessing of Aaron from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, came to my, uh, my mind and my heart. And I'll read it before I, I pray it, just so it can sink in. Some amazing words. It says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. I want to pray that over you all tonight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. Amen. God bless y'all.